right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. This will be uh, my final show for the week here in Lawrence because uh, I'll be heading out. Later today to head down to the Big 12 uh, Media yep. Day in Dallas. Boots, boots on the ground. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, <laughs> boots on the ground in Dallas. Yeah. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show at 440. You'll be doing that interview because by that point I will be gone. We do have some yep. uh, uh, content in the can that I'll be still a part of from from then on a little bit after. Um, I will be here for, for this hour and so forth. Uh, we're going to continue on with our KU football positional previews. We get the running backs here. Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World is going to join us at 3.40, talk a little KU football and uh, Big 12 media days as well. And we've got a, a couple fun segments I'm looking forward to. Do we give a bleep in the 5 o'clock hour? Uh, we have a game <laughs> of Big 12 football media day attendee, or we'll get to that later so on So when you the say show. attendee, you mean like player? Yeah, players. so like Kansas, for instance, is bringing Jalen Daniels yeah. and Rich Miller and, yeah. and all the, and, you know, Lance Leipold. It is just going to be players. I'm not going to ask you the coaches. I think you know the names of all the coaches. Although, do you know the name of the Cincinnati coach? Do you know the name of the, the yeah, new guys? Yeah, the Cincinnati coach is Scott Satterfield. That's cause right. Because he, he went to Cincinnati from yes. Louisville. Okay. And then they had that, and then they had the bowl game, and it was like, it was very awkward. You know, very awkward. Gus Malzahn, UCF. BYU, uh, I don't remember. Kalani the, Satake. Yeah, he, yeah, I was about to say. You would a, know, if I would have asked that, you would have known, known it. it yeah. yeah, I knew I knew we had a, a And then a, Houston, obviously, Dana Holgerson. Yeah, so I didn't ask any co- any uh, coaches on there. <coughs> we also have at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, top 10 Big 12 football names. So these are going to be kind of similar mm. but different. I don't yeah. have any that cross over, though. Okay, so that's we're good. good. That's good. So we're good. So it's just the best names but it's, in it Big 12 But it is going to give me an idea of what I could be going up against. It could. It could. Uh, starting off the top here, though, we did our quarterback position preview yesterday. If you missed it, find it on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts. Um, so the running back position, very good, very strong position for KU. You yes, know, it, it's very funny. deep position. If you actually had to rank the four positions on the KU offense, quarterback, receiver, tight end, actually five, sorry, running back and, and offensive line, you would have a hard time figuring out who's number one and who's number five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all the positions seem yeah. to be pretty loaded, so I, I, we don't even need to do that exercise. But um, I, I guess that gives you an idea. Like, running back is another strong position. Yeah. Uh, so starting with this, the starter, Devin Neal, we expect yep. him to be the starter, right? Yeah, um, the elite-level runner. Uh, I had some great games last year and had some games where he showed he could be a guy you could rely on heavily, right? They look at the Oklahoma State game, I think 33 carries in that game, 32 carries in that game. So there are there are games where if you need to rely on him to be that bell cow guy, you can. But also we saw, you know, he's he's great really as an explosive runner even if you're only getting him 15 carries a game. He's he's so electric, can make big plays happen it seems at seemingly any time and uh, you know, obviously being a Lawrence guy, Lawrence Katie's got that great story as well. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to love Devin Neal. 
Yeah, it really is. Um, he Unbelievable vision. He's still a junior, so hypothetically you could have him for this year and another year. Yeah. Um, obviously for running backs, even if you're somebody who, and to be clear, I actually have seen Devin Neal popping up as being like a draftable guy for uh, the 2024 draft. I mean, if he has, you know, over a thousand yards and like 10, 11, 12 rushing touchdowns right. to go along with a couple hundred yards receiving and five or six receiving touchdowns. Uh, was that is it that crazy to think that he might say you know what I'm going to roll the dice in the draft and maybe have a chance to get drafted in the no, fourth, fifth, sixth round? No, something especially like that? at that position because it's one thing you know if you're if you're projected to be a fifth or sixth round pick as like a quarterback it's like eh, maybe just go back to school. Yeah, if you're projected to be a fifth or sixth pick as a running back, it's almost like yes, just do it because well, the tread on how, your tires wears down so much faster. Well, that and also think about how many recent running backs that have been yeah, drafted have been late successful. in the draft have been successful, right? So it's not. It's not like if you get drafted in the sixth round as a running back, you're just some throwaway guy. Like You might have a chance to actually be productive, and we've seen that on a lot of teams, obviously the Chiefs most notably with Isaiah Pacheco, but yeah, it's it's possible, even if you're a late-round pick as a running back, to make an impact. Yeah, so we could see him for two more years, but I would just go into the season with the assumption of just enjoy Devin Neal like it's the last year, and if you get another year out of him, great, right? Uh, now, as far as the two deep, the guys behind him, um, now, I, I know technically two deep is two players. I'm going to actually put... Wait, the two deep means two players? I know, right? Uh, I'm going to put no two idea. guys on here because uh, it's just... The way I view it is like really to me, I view the two deep as, I guess outside of quarterback, guys who are going to play. Yeah. You know, like you're yeah. going to rotate in. So yeah. Daniel Hyshaw, who at this rate, is it's kind of crazy. He's a fourth-year sophomore. Wow. He's all, he had this a year and COVID two more years. Year and then, COVID year, he had a uh, retro year where he like tore his ACL. Yeah. And I, I don't know, are, are you are they able to, you know, get a medical red shirt for last year even? Maybe he could be a fourth-year freshman, right? <laughs> no. So, uh, fourth-year sophomore at that point with Daniel Hyshaw. We, we don't know how everything's going to come back, but we do know if he does come back healthy, he is a dynamic runner. Yes, yes. He, he's another one of those guys that uh, can be very, very powerful. Uh, obviously, he had maybe the most one of the more famous plays of the season last year against Duke uh, with that incredible touchdown run, and... He is the type of runner that runs just with uh, no regard for his for his own safety. He's just going to absolutely bulldoze into you. He's going to absolutely just be a wrecking ball uh, between the tackles. And he had great success last year breaking out. And and again, I think we talked about it maybe as part of our uh, Jayhawk Rewind stuff with Daniel Hyshaw. It should have been a, a hindsight 2020 situation because all in the fall camp, anytime anybody brought up the running backs, Lance Leipold and Haney Koldecki were usually the first two guys to say, hey, you know, this Daniel Hyshaw guy is actually doing really, really well. Uh, and if you remember right, uh, I don't remember who, somebody asked him a question about, because uh, Daniel Hyshaw, I think, was a walk-on when he first started, right? Or a preferred walk-on? Uh, or something. I don't I and I think, think uh, was, Lance Leipold but... took offense to, like, the fact that they were kind of, no, people I, I were, think over, what you're were remembering talking is, over him. Uh, you you were just yeah they they were bringing in transfers yeah. if they were bringing in Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison and, and there was the That's question was, about yeah. over recruiting over a guy and he took offense to the idea that you're recruiting over he was just saying we're just building competition what's wrong yeah. with that yeah right? and he was basically like you know Daniel Hyshaw we brought in some great transfers but this dude's really good too in the in the fall camp we got a taste of that uh, before his injury unfortunately and so you know if he comes back you, close to that same level or at the same level. Uh, he could be a a real weapon within the offense. Yeah, I mean, he was on pace for about 900 all-purpose or not all-purpose uh, yards from scrimmage last year, and you know, in a 12-game season, and th- this is crazy. In a 12-game season, he was on pace for like 15, 16 touchdowns last year. I mean, just an absolute touchdown machine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he he's a very 
helpful running back if they can have him. We'll see what his availability is, if, if it's something where he doesn't get to ramp up till more later in the season, or if he's back to where he was at the beginning of last year where he was basically splitting carries with yeah. Devin Neal. I mean, there were multiple games where it was like literally Devin Neal 11 carries, Dan mm-hmm. Ishaw 10 carries, or, you know, 12 and whatever. It was neck and neck. Yeah, and I think they, they want to do that because they want to keep Devin Neal fresh as well. Uh, the other guy here is Dylan McDuffie that I put as part of the two deep. I put him with an oar with Daniel Highshaw. He's redshirt senior. This will be his last year. Started his career at Buffalo. Had uh, some really good final two years at Buffalo. Really good with, production. With Lance Leipold. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think one of them was with Lance Leipold and then one of them was, was with the next staff. And then he uh, transferred last year to Georgia Tech. Things didn't work out super well there. But now he comes in. He gives you extra depth and everything. Uh, somebody who's we've we've heard from the coaching staff in, in interviews, very smart player. He wants to contribute on special teams, so he's going to help out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, um, he may not necessarily be a guy that gets a ton of carries necessarily, but uh, but like, we have seen Kevin Neal get injured the last two years. Yeah, we yeah. have seen Daniel Highshaw get injured the last couple yeah. years, right? Yeah. So it's not impossible like that he ends up being basically your starting running back at some point for like a game or yeah, like I mean, some stretch of play. Could be, yeah. And I think you think you feel good about that, and he just brings kind of reliability. Um, you know, maybe with a healthy Neil and high shot, he's only of, getting four or five carries, but yeah. having an, that ex, guy behind An extra him. level of leadership and experience also. Yeah. And somebody who's familiar with Lance Leipold to a certain extent, and so shouldn't have too much of an issue maybe transitioning into getting more involved. Yeah. And then you get your next up category. Savion Morrison will be a fourth-year junior, so he could have two years left of play. You won't, you won't meet a bigger Savion Morrison fan. Than no, me. he's. A, <laughs> I love that guy. He he fits a very certain role for this team too. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sure you'll see him on jet sweeps and maybe some screens and get the occasional handoff. I don't know how much he's going to get in terms of action and carries unless there's injuries I mean, in front of I, him. I think it's possible there will be a very real battle for that third spot with Dylan McDuffie. Like I, I think it's possible that Savion Morrison is that guy and Dylan McDuffie is maybe more of a, is more of a solely special teams type player. I don't know. I mean, we'll see how that shakes out, but. Uh, you know, and obviously I'm a big fan of Sandy Morrison, yeah. so I want to see him on the field personally. Well, I mean, it's it's not crazy that I like if, if Dylan McDuffie, like I what mean, if Savion Morrison, the, the well, ceiling might be higher there. What if Highshaw struggles to come back from the injury? Is there a world well, where Morrison's the backup? Think about how yeah, many sure. times Andy Kolnicki has said, well, "I'm gonna want, I want to get the best eleven guys on the field." So I mean, what if what if, I mean if Savion Morrison ends up becoming that, Andy Kolnicki is going to get him on the field. Yeah, he'll play the slot there's, or something. Exactly. Right? There's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. If he's if he's performing well in fall camp and he's looking sharp, he's going to get on the field. Mm-hmm. It's obvious that Andy Kolnicki is is not afraid to stick to that mantra of, I'm looking for the best 11 guys, and I don't care who they are. If they're the best 11, they're on the field. Yes. Uh, then also in the next up, I have Tory Lachlan. He's a fifth-year junior. He's kind of just like a plug-and-play guy. It's like, well, yeah. we have some injuries at receiver, put him to receiver. We have some injuries at running back. Put him at running back. Yeah, a uh, very versatile player. Versatile, and I think a very trustworthy player that you use him in a lot of trick plays because, you know, a lot of times where you're doing trick plays or misdirection plays or plays with maybe a lot of motion or weird He's formations. He's the type of guy you would forget about on defense. He is the type of guy you forget about on defense. And also, like, if you're doing those plays as an offense, you don't necessarily need the the best players. You just need the guys that you can trust are going to execute what you did. Yeah. Because basically yeah. at that point, you're trusting that the play is going to get it open as opposed to the player, and you trust him enough in those situations. I mean, we saw him playing running back in the Kansas State game, so yeah. he's one of those guys that you feel like uh, it, it, if you need him to fill in, he'll just do an admirable admirable job there. Yeah. Um, and then Johnny Thompson, he's a freshman who's coming in. like He's kind of like you hope that you don't get through all these guys that that it ends up he has to play a pivotal role, but he could be next up in terms of the sense of like 
you know, in 2024 or in yeah. 2025. Well, it's, he's the guy. it's clear for Andy Kolnicki's offense to be successful the way he wants to run it. You need to have good depth and you need to have some playmakers at the running back position, right? Because that's part of the option game that Andy Kolnicki wants to run a little bit more of. He likes to use a lot of trick plays and stuff. He likes to get his running backs in different areas. So you want to have a lot of depth and you want to be already thinking about sort of that next wave of guys you can bring in. Uh, and so... I think Johnny Thompson's a very exciting player from California, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, should have a chance to to move along nicely going into his career at KU. Yeah, and and he kind of profiled like he's more of that speed back, kind of like Savion Morrison with Neil. He's more of like the one-cut vision runner. High shot's kind of the power guy with good acceleration. McDuffie's just kind of irreliable. Same with like Tory Lachlan. So they've got a little bit of everything, too, with some of the guys. Uh, they also have Carson Morgan, who's a freshman, and Billy Conaway, who's a redshirt junior. I think both those are uh, walk-ons. Um, that that fill out the running back roster. Now, as far as the biggest storyline in health, I think it's the same one as quarterbacks. Or, or biggest storyline <laughs> in question. I gave it away right there. It is health. It is health. Whoa, that's the big question. I mean, you had yeah. um, you, you go back two years ago. Daniel Highshaw before the season starts tears tears his ACL. He misses the season. Devin Neal becomes the starting running back over Velton Gardner at some point, and then over the last. I think it was the TCU game, the second-to-last game of 2021, that he gets injured, he misses the rest of the game, and then he misses the West Virginia game, right? So an injury yeah. there. Uh, you look to the what happened last year. Devin Neal got banged up as, as you know throughout the season at different points, whether he played through it or not. Daniel Highshaw obviously gets injured. Uh, you had the Kai Kansas Thomas State game. Kai Thomas was banged up a lot. Yeah, where Kai Thomas gets injured. Yeah, uh, you, the had Morrison game where get you had sick. You know, only one running back right. available, like Corey, Corey Lachlan, Lachlan, out of your five guys. Yeah, and then in the spring— you saw more running back injuries where, like, at times, Dylan McDuffie was, like, the one guy. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even think Devin Neal did anything in spring. I don't know. I, I, I mean, know Daniel Highshaw, not, they were I mean, playing it safe. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not there for every practice. We're not there mm-hmm. for all whatever they're doing. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, and you do get the notion that, like, maybe some of the injuries were more minor things. That like Yeah, it was, it was just precautionary Yeah, stuff. if it, it was, wasn't if like, it was yeah. game day, like they probably play. Yeah. You know, they work through it, but why yeah. risk it during spring ball? But yeah, I mean, the health of, of that group is going to be specifically important. And I think to this same notion, keeping healthy over a long period of the season, like how much of a load can Devin Neal take on? So he was, he was sixth in the Big 12 last year in carries. Uh, Deuce Vaughn had 293 carries last year. Devin Neal had like 180. Bijan Robinson had over 250. Can you get Devin Neal to like 200 carries? Or does KU even want him to? Honestly, do they not want I, him to? I was a bit surprised to see that he was six in the Big 12 in carries. I thought he would have been a little bit even lower than that, to be honest, with how much he was splitting. But I yeah. guess later in the season, he, he did have some games where he got a lot more carries. Well, maybe if we view the first half of the season when he was getting maybe 10 to 12 carries per game, maybe that's the ideal of what KU wants. Maybe KU, yeah. for them, they're like, we only want him getting 150 carries. Could be. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Uh, you know, later in the season, you want a guy like that to be as fresh as possible. But you know, then you get into the question of uh, if he's if he's your best running back, if he's your best player, get him the ball. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I mean, if he's your best dude, get him the ball. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very much like a a balancing act because you want to get this guy healthy through the season. Yeah, but like you, you go back to the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, like if you have a player that can do that. Give it to him. Again, yeah, Deuce Vaughn had <laughs> 293 carries. Bijan Robinson had 250. <laughs> I mean, feed feed my man. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe maybe there's just more like injury-prone stuff there um, that, that prevents that from happening. But I would think you would want him to get 200 carries. I would think that would be a good thing if he yes. does that. 
Yes. Like that I probably think if he means gets to that number, happen, right? He, it means he's probably having a lot of success. And I do get the sense that Andy Kolnicki is the, is the type of guy that he will feed the hot hand. I mean, Oklahoma State game's a good example, right? So if Devin Neal is just feeling it in a game or over a stretch of games, I have no doubt that Andy Kolnicki is just going to say, you know what? It's better to just keep giving this guy the ball rather than try to, you know, whatever, right? So I think Andy Kolnicki, any, you know, same goes for Daniel Highshaw. Daniel Highshaw has a string mm-hmm. of games or, or you know, uh, a game where he's he's doing really well. I, I think Andy Kolnicki's the type of coach that is able to recognize that and say, this guy's hot, keep feeding him. Yeah, well, and I guess that's part of it, too. If, if Highshaw returns to his form last year, if you're giving out 20 carries and 11 go to Devin Neal and 9 go to Daniel Highshaw, yeah. it's going to be hard for Neal to get to 200, but yeah. that's just because you have another good running back, which that's fine. And, and also, uh, you know, part of this that cuts into, the, like, when you look at the Big 12 in terms of how many carries he Devin Neal has against other running backs— some of those other teams, they don't have a guy like Jalen Daniels who is going to be taking mm-hmm. 10 to 15 carries off the top each game, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's very interesting. The other big like question or storyline that I kind of had with it was what exactly are going to be the roles of like Savion Morrison and Tory Lachlan? Yeah, I don't know, because you look at Savion Morrison, and at one point in the season, he had like 40 yards of carry because he was getting two carries a game, and he was breaking up for big runs. So maybe that's more of uh, his role again this year is more of a – Kind of that change of pace speed guy where you bring him in and, you know, give him an end around, give him a jet sweep and just let him get out in open space. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of touched on with Tory Lachlan. To me, Tory Lachlan is just kind of your, he's your, he's your glue guy. Mm-hmm. You got you got a sprint, you got a leak here, Tory Lachlan fills it. You got a hole here, boom, there's Tory Lachlan. He's just the guy that's just going to be able to kind of hold it all together. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that can be a very important role, but it can also be a difficult role as you're trying to, you know, navigate taking on different responsibilities and whatnot. But Tory Lachlan, I think, is a, is a great player for that role, uh, and I suspect that's probably what is going to be kind of his main task is just wherever there's gaps from game to game, all right, Tory, here you go. Get in there. Yeah. I, I've, yeah, you'll see him on special teams. You'll see Dylan McDuffie on yeah. special teams. With Savion, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he can, you know, to get more touches and to get that explosiveness on the field, can he do well as like a kick returner, punt returner? We didn't really see a ton yeah. of that last year. yeah. No, we didn't. And honestly, uh, uh, you know, as far as we know, last we heard from the coaches in the spring, the kick return, punt return situation is still pretty much up in the air. I mean, we got guys talking about Jason Bean back, being back there. I'm like, dude, what, what is going on? Yes. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I would love to see that. I think, to me, Savion Morrison profiles to be a really, could be a really good, like, kick return type player uh, because he's got that great straight line speed. So, uh, you know, I think there's definitely going to be roles for those guys that are on the next up list that we talked about, Savion Morrison and Tory Lachlan. Uh, it just, it might just vary from week to week what, how much snaps they're getting and what that's looking like. Yeah. Uh, so final question here, the confidence scale, is this running back room better, worse, or the same than it was last year? Uh, I think they are, I mean, you could make the argument. They're definitely not worse. (laughs) They're either better or the same. Well, I mean, you lose Kai Thomas, who, in terms of the production you got with Kai Thomas, it wasn't great. Wasn't great, but in terms of what Kai Thomas potentially is, that could be a loss, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I hmm. think this is because I think the other hard part of this is with Daniel Highshaw, you just you don't really know what to expect out of him, right? Coming back from right. that injury, like, and that's I mean, part of it if too. He, if he, if week one, he is in the same form that he was before the injury, I think without a doubt, this room is better. Yeah, but if it takes him half the season to sort of build back up a little bit, you could make the argument that they might be a little bit worse because you just you don't really know what you're going to get from Dylan McDuffie necessarily in terms of on the field production. 
I you don't expect Savion Morris and Troy Lachlan to be like those those top guys, right? So I I think if it takes but uh, but if Devin Neal so if it takes Daniel Hodgson half a season to get better, but Devin Neal takes a step forward and he's like that elite level you know first team All Big Twelve type yeah, running back thirteen hundred you know, yards exactly then maybe they are maybe they're actually better I don't know right that's the thing if Devin Neal takes that jump forward and stays healthy all year then they're better automatically right there if Devin Neal is just the same guy though. Then they're probably the same, but there is the avenue to be worse because of yeah. If Daniel Highshaw's not bad, yeah, like, if it takes him half the season, yeah, yeah, then you kind of get worse there. Then again, you could say that. Well, I mean, uh, worse maybe isn't the right term, but you just you have less depth. Yeah, uh, Kai Thomas because the production wasn't there. I would imagine Dylan McDuffie will be a more productive running back in the system for KU. So I'm actually viewing that as an upgrade. I also think there were some questions about, and some of the frustration with the KU staff with Kai Thomas was maybe not being the, 100% the hardest every, worker yeah, in like practice. Yeah. yeah, And I think with Dylan McDuffie, it's pretty clear those questions are not there. Like he's a very hard worker. Um, he does a lot of the little things that the staff is, it, that's going to appease uh, the staff a little bit more with, with what he does there. So yeah. I'm almost viewing that as, as kind of a, an equal, if not a, a upgrade for KU. Uh, you'd imagine Savion Morrison should be just as good, if not better. Tory Lachlan, just as good, if not better. You add Johnny Thompson to the mix this year. Worst case, Devin Neal's the same as he was last year. Yeah, just kind of to me, it's it's either they're the same as they were last year, yeah. or if Daniel Highshaw's back to being what he is, or if Devin Neal takes a step up. Yeah, they're, they're better they're than, better. than yeah. what they were last year. Yeah. All right, that is our uh, running back position preview. We'll have the uh, receiver position later this week, um, but uh, coming up later in the show, Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World KUSports dot com is going to join us. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined by now a first-time guest who we're excited to get on and should be a little bit more regular here moving forward, Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World. He is the new sports editor with the LJ World and at KUSports.com and uh, working on the KU beat here. Uh, so I guess first things first, uh, Henry, I'm, I'm sure just kind of a personal question here. Uh, I'm sure some people, you know, are like, okay, who is the new LJ World guy? So uh, what's kind of your background with sports, with journalism that kind of brought you here today to the uh, Lawrence Journal World? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on and, and share a little bit of my experience. Yeah, so I, I've been a lifelong, this is such a cliche way to start out, but I've been a lifelong sports <laughs> fan, and I've had a lifelong love of writing. And for some reason, it didn't occur to me until I was in my early 20s to merge those things together. But I, uh, coming out of college, did a year of grad school at Arizona State, spent a couple seasons over in Bakersfield, California, city of about 300,000, an hour and a half north of L.A., where I grew up, and I covered just about everything in, in that county of a million people, uh, focusing on the Division One school there, Cal State Bakersfield, and <clears throat> I've always tried to pride myself on my ability to take unconventional angles and sort of elucidate stories people might not be thinking about, and I'm really excited to have a chance to apply that to a, a, a much more crowded market and a much more competitive beat uh, here in Lawrence, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Well, you hit the ground running right in the off season with uh, KU basketball having a, a crazy off season. KU football off uh, one of their best seasons in in a long time here. Uh, and, and Big Twelve Media Days is tomorrow in Dallas. So uh, I, I guess kind of a, an open ended question here: is, is there something that you're most interested to learn about or to hear about uh, that's going to happen in, in Dallas during Big Twelve Media Days this week? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly there are a few things that I have on my mind. One of them is the continuity surrounding this year's team. Uh, I read a stat from Bill Connolly at ESPN that Kansas has the highest proportion of returning production of any team in Division One at 85%. Uh, and to me, that's got its pros and cons. I mean, it's one more year in the system. It's one more year building an on- and off-field rapport for all these guys. But at the same time, maybe you don't want to have so much of the same from a defense that was one of the five worst in, in Division One at yards allowed per game. So it'll be interesting to me to talk to people at Media Days about what's the same, which transfers have kind of been able to carve out playing time with so many players returning. I think the offensive and defensive line are particularly interesting position groups to look at in that domain. Um, I'll be interested to talk to Rich Miller about sort of, you know, J.B. Brown from Bowling Green and whether there's returners like Taiwan Berryhill who might be uh, like breakout candidates this year. So lots of interesting stuff to look at in terms of returning production and what exactly that means for the team heading into this season. Yeah, uh, as far as the, the KU players attending, or, or I don't know, maybe it's a, other players that you're just interested to hear their perspective on KU. Is there, uh, I guess, a player that you're most interested to, to hear their story or, or to get some information from uh, on the KU side of things? Yeah, that's a good question, especially because it is almost exactly the same lineup with the exception of Miller being summed in for Robostic as last year. I think this is, I mean, I think I would just go straight to Jalen Daniels, the, the preseason offensive player of the year, obviously. People cautiously throwing his name into the ring as a Heisman candidate. You know, I, I don't think anyone at KU in the last 13 years has ever dealt with the level of expectations that we'll see Daniels contending with this season. I mean, just from a media day standpoint, it'll be really interesting to see how many national media members or members from other media markets are, are talking to KU, talking to Jalen Daniels specifically, uh, and trying to learn more about a program that really got its first positive national attention in such a long time last year. I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but prior to this season's preseason poll, they had been picked last in every single Big 12 preseason poll since 2010. Um, so compared to that, I mean, ninth out of 14 teams is a huge jump. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how all these players really contend with the, the added pressure and the eyes on them heading into this year. Yeah, and, and when you look at, I guess, the, the biggest theme surrounding KU football headed into this year, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'd be similar to, to some of the answers you just gave, but uh, is there something that sticks out from that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the biggest spotlight is going to be on that defense. Uh, you know, and just to what extent they actually can take a step forward. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant earned in first team preseason honors. They have Kenny Logan coming back. I feel there will be some strength in the secondary as a result, but there's a lot of question marks up front for a team that really didn't generate as much of a pass rush as I'm sure they would have liked. Um, again, that's an area where transfers are coming in, several of them, but it's tough to tell from their body of work who might actually be able to make an impact. I think that really one of the primary things of the season will be can the defense just make it to a passable level because the offense has shown its ability to score points far above average. I think just getting the defense at a higher baseline so you know that they're not allowing – 50 points in a bowl game or whatnot will be basically the thing that determines the course of KU season and whether 
this year sort of becomes the foundation for something going forward or a, a regrettable step back. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at the expectations that are kind of being lopped on the program, you talked about them being, you know, not picked last for the first time in a long time and uh, coming in at number nine. And after a six win season, you return so many starters. Obviously, there's added expectations. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think would constitute a successful season from a wins and loss perspective? Do you think uh, is getting back to just six wins like is is that enough to, to count this as successful since you haven't made back to back bowl games in like fifteen years or, or uh, I, I I don't know how how do you view what a successful season would be for this team? I I think it would be if they if they're able to replicate something resembling last year. And here's part of why I think that. I, I was just talking to Travis Goff about this the other day, and you know, at their board of directors meeting for athletics a few weeks ago, they had a hundred nine million dollar budget in the past fiscal year. They generated revenues of one hundred fifteen million, yielding what they call a modest surplus, and a lot of that was because of inter- increased interest in football. Betting on even more interest in football for a full cycle, the budget for fiscal year twenty twenty four is set at one hundred twenty seven million now. So I was talking to Travis about this yesterday, and he said, yeah, we, we think that 2022 as a season provides a good baseline to project from going forward because it wasn't all games where people were incredibly hyped about the team. You know, after they lost some games, um, there were a couple home games later in the season where some of the excitement had died down, and we think that that makes this year a good baseline for future projections. So thinking about all that, I think that if they were able to reproduce that, that would give kind of the athletic department and the broader fan community confidence that 2022 wasn't just a one-time thing and that both from a financial perspective and a fan avidity perspective, things will kind of continue along the same track under Lance Leipold. Mm -hmm. How important do you think that successful season then is to uh, keeping the momentum forward on on building the new stadium and, and those sorts of things? Well, my understanding is that to some to some uh, extent they have no choice because I believe the renovations are written into uh, Leipold's contract in some way. But yeah, I think that for sure in terms of fundraising, they have they have to show it. I think that uh, if they took a small step back, it probably wouldn't be a huge blow, especially with some of the excitement that has been generated in recruiting. But then again, all those verbal commitments can can disappear. All those uh, commitments people were so excited about can vanish. Uh, if Kansas doesn't show uh, more success this season. So I think that uh, I don't think that one slight letdown of the season would totally grind the renovations to a halt. Um, but I think that it's really this season and what, what fo- immediately follows that could jeopardize that, yeah. We're talking with Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, is there a player or position group that maybe you're most interested in seeing once we get on the field this year, either in-game or once we get to fall camp, that you think uh, you know, beyond the quarterbacks could have the biggest impact on them reaching those goals of, of hitting uh, what would be a successful season? Well, I mentioned the defensive line earlier. That's one of them. I think that the, uh, the, the running back group is really interesting to me because we obviously have Devin Neal on the first team, and he's expected to elevate his his game to be one of the better power five running backs in the country, but it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, well, for one thing, how much Jalen Daniels continues to figure into the rushing attack, like he did quite successfully last year, particularly in the early portion of the year and, and how they continue to balance 
the talent they have elsewhere in the backfield. You know, it's hard when you have three additional people who are probably deserving of carries to, to take Devin Neal off the field and give them a chance to come in. But especially with McDuffie coming in this year, a new face that uh, hasn't necessarily gotten many looks in the past, I, I'll be really interested to see uh, how the offensive staff finds that balance between feeding Neal the ball as much as possible and finding creative ways to get the other guys involved. Uh, kind of going back to uh, some of the, the stadium stuff, I, I know that you guys had the report on, on one of the uh, possible projections on, on what the stadium could look like, and obviously that was just a kind of rendering, rough draft type of thing that KU didn't have to do. Um, you recently had, you know, uh, there was a story about uh, Travis Goff saying that the stadium capacity under 40,000 was never discussed. Part of that rendering, though, I think the capacity was like, it was like, what, 39,000, you know, hundred something whatever right to where it was it was close enough uh, with that quote from Travis Goff about never under 40,000 is that something where I don't know you could see the stadium attendant being like literally at like 40,000 where it's really not that big of a difference of, of about 39,000 or do you think they do want to try to keep it around the 45 to 50,000 range yeah I mean that's the million dollar question right I think that they've by by telling me that it was never in, in discussion to be under forty thousand when the number that it was was thirty nine thousand eight hundred thirty nine or whatever they, they've got themselves a, a lot of wiggle room between the number forty thousand and the forty seven thousand two hundred thirty three that it is now. I could definitely see I my if I had to guess right now I'd probably say the early forty thousand like maybe forty one or whatever. But that's not really based on any concrete numbers that I've heard. I think that there'll be more concrete numbers like that coming out at the end of the year. Um, I think that, that that four in the first digit spot is very significant mentally to some people, and that I think that from a physical perspective, people probably wouldn't even notice if it was 39, 839 versus 40001 or whatever. Right. But I... Uh, but yeah, I'll be certainly interested to see how that how that develops going forward. I think that it's easy to sort of diminish the mixed use possibilities uh, around the development. You know, the the hundred strategic partners had that conference center and hotel and concert venue and all of that that they were trying to make space for. But it is a fair point, as KU's vice chancellor told my boss in our first article about this, that. A football stadium is usable for events like six or seven days a year, and those things get used year-round. I think that it is certainly a valuable perspective they have to consider. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess the big question for me becomes, you know, what would happen with the parking situation? I know that was a big one for with some pushback, at least on my end of things. I, I'd be curious, what uh, did you hear the most from, from just readers, from uh, people who are interested in it, about, you know, their thoughts on, on the first renderings that did kind of come out? Yeah, that parking stuff is something that I definitely expect to be changed from the first rendering. I just think that the tailgating aspect and the grassy area near and whatnot are too significant for that to be entirely eliminated, as the consultants had proposed. So that's one thing. I think that was one of the more, the more prominent issues in terms of fan experience. But I think that really besides that, it, it was the capacity, and it's mostly – I mean, not entirely symbolic value because you want to make as much money as you can, but what does it say as a statement to have Kansas be the smallest in the Big 12, you know? So I think I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to bump the capacity up a little bit so it is not the smallest in the Big 12, and that won't be too hard because some of the new entrants uh, have state, like at least Cincinnati, have 
stadiums that are not that high above 40,000. I think that uh, that number is in part about sending a message. We're talking with Henry Greenstein here of the LJ World on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for just a few more minutes. Uh, Switching gears from football, I I did want to talk about this. The Big 12 volleyball preseason poll came out yesterday, and uh, you just wrote a piece about Anise Havili, who was right in my wheelhouse when when I was getting to broadcast games for the uh, KU volleyball team. Um, she's getting her coaching career started. She's going to be coming back and getting inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame for the 2015 team and everything. She's, I believe, already had her jersey retired, hanging in the, uh, I guess, rafters at, at Horish uh, Family Athletic Center. Uh, what was kind of your favorite part about putting together that piece and, and getting talked to uh, Anise? Yeah, I mean, you know all about what, what she's meant to that team over the years. I think it was great to, to hear about her selfless attitude that she continues to embody you know when she got her jersey retired she wanted to do it with kelsey Payne, and that was an inseparable duo on the court and off the court uh and of course this induction is extra special for her because she gets to go in alongside the rest of that uh 2015 uh final four team that meant so much of the trajectory of the kansas volleyball program um and i'm excited to see how that goes my understanding is it'll be a a series of events at the end of August kind of surrounding that first football weekend. But, yeah, it was great getting to talk to her about that. Great, great, great getting to talk about how her relationship with Coach Bouchard kind of helped her get into coaching, which wasn't always something she thought she wanted to do. But she found herself back in the U.S. during the pandemic uh, after kind of bringing her overseas career to a halt, coaching a youth team, and sort of fell in love with it, which is something I've heard from many former players over the year. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how things go for her in her first full-time assistant season in Miami as well. It's a good program they got down there. He is Henry Greenstein. You can check out all his work in the Lawrence Journal Worlds at KUSports.com. Uh, Henry, I appreciate you coming on for the first time today. We, we look forward to having you on many more times here on the show. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure. All right, Henry Greenstein, give him a follow at Henry Greenstein on Twitter. Again, LJWorldKUSports.com. One hour down, two to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up next, top 10 names of Big 12 football teams. A lot to sift through. I've been uh, scouring through every roster of all the 14 Big 12 teams. It was some tough decisions. We're going to get you the top 10 names of the Big 12 football conference. Coming up next on RCST. Welcome back in. Four o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports at 440. We've got another segment of Do We Give a Bleep in the five o'clock hour. And we're going to have a uh, fun game. It's going to be uh, Big 12 Media Day Attendee or a Western movie star. And that is not to be confused with this segment that we're about to do right now which is our top 10 names of the 2023 Big 12 football players. So this is anybody, anybody on a team. Correct. That has good names. The attendees one is is the game. That's only the people who are going to the actual Big 12 media day. This could be anyone. I literally scoured all 14 teams in the Big 12. I looked through the entirety of each of their (laughs) rosters, hundreds of players on each team. I looked through, you know, at that point, thousands of players in the Big 12. And I came up with a list of the 10 best names in the Big 12 for football reasons this year. Now, do I care if they play or not? 
No, I don't. Yeah, this is strictly name. Yes, strictly, strictly names. Strictly name. Nothing, literally no other factors yes. are involved other than how cool is your name. I do have one exception to that rule, which what? is in my honorable mention, but oh, I'll tell okay. you why. I'll tell you why when we get there. Okay. Um, but yes, for the most part, I don't really care about what year are you, what position do you play, what yeah, team are you matters. on. None no, matters. none of it really matters. How good are you? It's just what is your name? How cool is it? Yep. Um, and, and part of what matters into the criteria, too, is like if you have a really cool first name or last name, but you have a really lame other one. That's that's bad. It is that bad. Like against- Now, maybe one of them is just so good that it's going to carry the water for it, could. but it does matter. Yeah. It does matter. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay. So let's get into it with the honorable mentions first. Okay. Uh, Jalen Smothers from Oklahoma. This is my exception to the rule. If Jalen Smothers was a cornerback, he might make it, but he's something else. So what, what is he? I don't know. I didn't write it down. But he's not a corner. I know that. I think he's like a running back or something. Um, nonetheless. Well, I was thinking if he was like a D tackle, he smothers the run game. Yeah, that could work. You know. Um, or if he's an offensive lineman, he smothers with blocking. Yeah, I guess so. He uh, actually, oh, you're going to love this guy. He uh, is a transfer from Incarnate Word. Oh, nice. He's a running back. Oh, nice. Okay. Incarnate Word, stand up. There you go. Well, he's on the honorable mention list. Nice. Uh, Also on the honorable mention list, Blaze Doxon from Iowa State. It's Blaze, and then the last name is D-O-X-Z-O-N. You don't see a lot of names with X and a Z in it, right? Yeah, that is And the first name being Blaze, that's a good one. Blaze is a good one. Chaz Ayu. From uh, BYU, it's like Aju, like what you dip your uh, steak into. I mean, it's, listen, to be honest, we were going over the, some of the players a little bit. There was a lot of good options. There were, I mean, so many. I had yeah. to cut even a bunch from the honorable mention list. Yeah. But his last name is A-H space Y-O-U. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, also on the honorable mention list, Hershey McLaurin. <laughs> so it's, his Hershey. first name is Hershey. Love yeah, that. like a Hershey's bar from All West right, Virginia. enough honorable mention. Let's get to the list. No, I have Come three on. more honorable mentions. Macho oh, Stevenson. Dude, this is a top 10, not top 50. <laughs> I'm just giving you the honorable mentions. Macho Stevenson from Texas Tech, <laughs> Constantino Borelli from Oklahoma State, <laughs> and Major Melson. Melson. Normally it's Nelson, so like, it, like Grant Nelson. Nelson spelled the same way? Melson with an M as in... But is it Nelson just with an M? Is it spelled the same? Like it's yeah, M E L S O N. M E L S O N. Okay. Great name. So All right. Literally Nelson except yes. M. The moment you've been waiting for into the top 10. Number 10. Number 10, L V Bunkley Shelton. <laughs> that's such a good name. So wait, his first name was L V? At least that's what he goes by. He's a uh, transfer, I believe. I think he was at uh, Arizona State. And then he ended up transferring to Oklahoma. So he's at Oklahoma receiver, receiver this year. Uh, good size at, uh, or no, I, I thought he was like 6'3". He's like 5'11". So take that good back. Good size. Rescinded. Yep. Rescinded. Um, I don't know what, like I can't find it anywhere. I've, I've done some research on this and I haven't been able to find out like if his first name actually is LV. LV. Okay, I found it. It's LaVon. Oh. But he goes by LV. LaVon Bunkley Shelton. Which I think LaVon Bunkley so is Shelton like is still a Bunkley good name. Bunkley Dash Shelton? Yeah, Bunkley Dash, okay. Dash Shelton. I think LaVon Bunkley Shelton is still a good name, but I LV, like LV gets it oh. onto the top 10. LV's way for sure. Yeah, LV. Number nine. Number nine is a player on West Virginia, Deuce Shabazz. <laughs> I just love that. So there was the, oh gosh. Well, there was Shabazz, Shabazz Napier, Napier, right? Yeah, Shabazz Napier. What was the guy? He was like a five-star recruit from UCLA. This was been around like 2010 or something. Um, mm. Shabazz Muhammad. Oh, I do you remember, remember him. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't he a running back? No, no. Oh. He was a uh, he was like a, a, a six-seven, like pudgy small forward. 
Oh, you're talking about basketball. Yeah, basketball. Oh, oh, he's like a really good player. Um, I, it's just a fun name. Like I just envision when I say Shabazz, it's not just Shabazz. It's Shabazz, right? There's like like jazz hands. Yeah, yeah, man. Like it's there, and the fact that he is Deuce, like yeah. Deuce, is a great name too. Deuce and, is good. I think Deuce is close to being kind of overplayed, though. I will say. Okay, that's fair. He's also Deuce Shabazz the second, though. <laughs> He's a corner redshirt freshman. Did you get for more West points if you're the second, third, fourth, etc. You do, especially when like I don't think you get point, bonus points for junior. That's no. overplayed. Once you get to the second, third, fourth, like yeah. that looks cool. Yeah. And especially when it's a unique name like Deuce Shabazz the second. Now <laughs> the question becomes: Does he go by Deuce because he is the second? Like, what if his first name is not Deuce. Mike? You know. It's not as fun, but, but I haven't yeah. been able to find that anywhere. So, mm. okay, wait, I found his first name. Boom, Akbar, which is, oh, that's Akbar. unique too. <laughs> Akbar <laughs> Shabazz the second. He goes by Deuce. That's great. Number nine. Boom. Number eight. Number eight on the list is from Texas. I loved this one. This was the rare exception of Junior being on there because of what it made the name to be out. Okay. Jafar Johnson Jr. <laughs> Now, I know you're saying Johnson is an overplayed name. I know I have it. Maybe I'm giving it extra bonus points here. Dude. It's the fact that you get the triple J. Yeah, that is pretty good. Right. And Jafar, was and the Jafar is a great name. Was the villain yes, in Aladdin. Aladdin. Yes. yes. Which yes. Uh, Aladdin, to me, is one of the most underrated Disney movies. I like Aladdin. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. So Jafar, you get bonus points for that. You get double bonus points for being JJJ. Yeah, Triple Javar J, Johnson right? Jr. That's yeah. that's a good name. If it was name. just Javar Johnson, it's not the same. Agreed. It's, Agreed. He's it wouldn't not even be on the top list. 10. Yes, yeah, he's agreed. Not even in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number seven. Number seven. I think we actually brought this one up last year when we would we would ask Brian Haney uh, the best names, you know, of the, the teams that KU was playing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State, safety, Lyric Rawls. Lyric? Yeah, his first lyric name is Rawls. Lyric, like a music lyric. L-Y-R-I-K. And his last name is Rawls. spelled like a mere music lyric. And it's lyric. pronounced Lyric, too. Huh. So, you know, he is a uh, redshirt sophomore safety for Oklahoma State. Yeah, he was he uh he had I don't know, 20 20 something tackles last year. He is a talented singer. That's a good question. Like if your name is Lyric, do you have to be good at singing? Well, what if his parents wanted him to be good at and singing? And he's just not. And he's just not. Well, we've had that discussion before. Like you you name your kid something to in the hopes that they become good, but you never know. No, you don't. So they were like, "We're going to make this kid a we musician." Ask him if he's good at singing. And then he was like, "I don't want to sing." He's oh. like, I want to play football. What if he's at, you know? You can sing and play football. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Okay. All right. Number six. Number seven. Oh, wait. I hit number... Wait. Oh. Number seven. See, you <laughs> messed six. me up. You messed me up. I thought up. we were on seven already. No, that's okay. Or we'd already done seven. That's okay. That was seven. Lyric Rawls was seven. Number six. Oh, okay, so I was right? It was number six. I played number six, and then you said number seven again. Oh, I'm sorry. I Number six. <laughs> this is very confusing. Okay, just number six. Yeah, just a recap. Number six. Ten was LV Bunkley Shelton. Nine was Deuce Shabazz the second. Eight was Jafar Johnson Jr. Seven was Lyric Rawls. Okay, this so is I number was right six. and you were wrong. Correct. Okay. Uh, he's a linebacker for Houston. Hassan Hippolyte. <laughs> Hippo? Hippa. Oh, Hippa. Yeah, like Hippa. You know, I think it'd be way better hippo, if it was hippo. It's oh, it H-Y-P-O. is hippo. Oh, it's H Y P O. Wait, H Y? What? Yeah, that could insane. be hypo. You know, <laughs> but it says on the name pronunciation here. It says last name pronounced Hippolyte. But I still love it anyway. It would be better if yeah. it was hippo. But still, yes. you get the alliteration with Hassan and Hippolyte. Um, and and hip. I just think of HIPAA. Everybody misuses HIPAA. They think it's one thing. It's not actually that. They just use it not about? to say stuff. People all the time will be like, like a question will get asked to a uh, like a player about like. Are you talking about like the health stuff? Yes, HIPAA. Oh, yeah. Where they'll be like, oh, what's what's your arm injury? And he'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't talk about that. That's HIPAA. Or like they'll ask a coach like. 
uh, is your player injured? And he's like, I can't. That's HIPAA. That's not how it works. HIPAA just prevents a doctor from sharing the medical information. If I, I was sitting even, in I a doctor, didn't know that. Yes, if I was sitting as a just normal patron in a doctor's office and I saw somebody show up to the doctor's office with a sling on their arm, I could talk about it as much as I want. The doctor can't. The nurse and, and the practitioner can't. I can though. Uh, so I, did, every, I had no idea. See, everybody misuses HIPAA. They just see it and they they just assume it's a way. I like- I like Hippo better. But I do like Hippo better, but still, Hassan Hippolyte is a great name, alliteration. I love it. Number five. Uh, number five, you might have an issue with this one. I picked <laughs> okay. the entirety of the Houston quarterback room. What? <laughs> that should not so, be legal. So the Houston starting no, I, I, quarterback. I do have an issue with okay, this. What, I knew are we, you would. what are we doing? I knew you would. Dude, it's it's a top ten <laughs> list. Yeah. Not a top it's ten number five. plus three. No, it's a number five. No, you can't just Google like a whole slashy. No. It's like if I uh, no, I don't care what hot dog bun slash hoagie wrong or actually those are different things. Yeah, what what are you talking? What you're making even less sense. No, it's like if I said bread slash roll wrong. You know, kind of the same thing. No, okay. So number five, Houston quarterback room. The starting quarterback Donovan Smith, the transfer from Tech. That's not a crazy name, right? Yeah. Why why is this on there? Here's why it's on there. It's the depth of the position. They have a guy whose first I don't even know how to pronounce it. His first name is Ui. Is it (laughs) Ui? Ui. Ooh. Is that a misspelling? His first name is UI. His last names? name is Ale. Or maybe it's Ale. A L E. He has five letters for his first and second name, Nick. Ui Ale, I believe, is maybe how it's pronounced. Which that okay. is a great name. I found him. Ui Ale. I'm just gonna go with that's how you pronounce then it. Then why don't you just put him on the list? Why do you put the whole room because on there? Because there's more to it than just Ui Ale. One of their other quarterbacks, his name is Jake Sock. So his last name is Sock. No. That's that, great. I don't think that's very good. Then you also have another quarterback whose first name is Jet. So you have Jet Huff. Okay. And then Jet's only good if you're like a wide receiver running back who's fast. He's like a 5'8 quarterback, which makes it even better. Then you get this is my favorite, Caleb McMickle. That's a great last name. No, McMickle. You should just put Uwe Ole on there and can No, the rest I, of I it. wanted the depth of the entire no. room. You get Uwe Ole, you get Sock, you get. Jet, you get McMickle. That I mean, no. the depth in that is is unheard of. I think of. that's a terrible. Has terrible, to be in the top that's five. That's a terrible rank. Has to be terrible. Number four. Uh, number four is a player on Texas, which I actually I all of these top four at some time or another I debated putting at number one. Oh, so that okay. tells you the strength of this. Number four, Texas, Justice Finkley. <laughs> that's a great name. Finkley. See, when I think Finkley. Like F-I-N-K-L-E-Y, Finkley? Yes. When I think Finkley, too, I think of, I don't know, this movie may have just missed you. I'm, I'm only a few years older than you, but um, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. You ever seen it? Uh, I think I've seen parts of it. Okay. I don't well, think I've ever seen the whole thing. You have again. Finkel and Einhorn. And I think okay. of, I think of when I think of Finkley, I think of Finkel and Einhorn, and that adds to it, too. But then your first name is Justice. And he's yeah, you're a, bringing justice to exactly. the, to the wide think, receivers by slamming them down. Well, he's a, he's an edge player. Oh, I thought he was. A, well, I thought he was a safety. No, he's a, oh. he's an edge from Texas, but it's the same thing. He brings down the quarterback. You know, yeah, you bring down just bring right? justice. That yes. is the perfect defensive player name. It, yes. it just is. Now you could make it any justice position. Really, is you could best served exactly. Sack. Yes, and then Finkley is just like a really fun last name. So uh, I love that one at number four. Number three. Number three on the list. Honestly, there was a moment where I was like, I have to make this number one, and then I, it just it fell out of lore with me a little wow. bit to number three. General Booty. Oh, yes. The backup General Booty. quarterback yes, in yes, Oklahoma. Yes, he, uh, very like popular. Four-star recruit. Yeah, very popular. I mean, 
It's self-explanatory. He's got general he, booty. Yeah, he's, he's gotten some run for quite a right. while, actually. Like John David. Well, okay, well, that's a good question because which is the better name? I, I believe they're related. Um, remember John David Booty from USC? Do you not remember him? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Okay, so John David Booty. I think he was right before Mark Sanchez, but after Matt Leiner, maybe. Um, that was a great name because you There's get the no booty way part related. of it. Why? Their last name is Booty. That was like 15 years ago, though. Uh, maybe they're like. Cousins? You know? Dude, that's not a popular last name at all. He's got to be related in some way. I don't think they're related. Well, they might be. But anyway, which which is the better booty name? John David Booty or General Booty? Oh, General, easily. No questions asked. Well, I think on its own, General is a better name than John David. But General Booty is way better than John David Booty. There is something, I don't care what you say. I kind of think it's John David Booty because... Wrong. You're wrong again. You've been wrong so many times. Today. No, I, I think it's because uh, it's General Booty. Obviously, it's not even close. Well, okay, with, it's not even a discussion. With John David Booty, you get the the three names, and it just it flows. It's like John David Booty. I don't know. There's just something fun is, about what it. What is man. wrong with you? It's no, General Booty's way better. It's not even close. Uh, General Booty is a third generation football standout. He is the nephew of John David Booty. Okay, there you go, nephew. Okay, there we go. All right, All right number into the two. top two. Number two, Rusty Stats from Texas Tech. He is a center. He transferred in from Western Kentucky. He's actually uh, seen as being like a really good center. Could wow. be like one of the best centers Rusty in the conference this year. Stats, so like S-T-A-T-S? S-T-A-A-T-S. Oh. So I was going back and forth on this because I was, I was trying to find, is, is it, it Rusty Stats stocks? or Stots? I yeah, wasn't stocks. sure. I thought stats was better than stats. I agree. So stats it was going to influence where he was in the rankings. I found it eventually. Stats? It's stats. Okay. Yes. Stats is better than stats. I think Rusty Stots is maybe top 10. That's still pretty but good. But it's on the bottom half. Rust, rusty Stats rusty is top five for, for an sure. offensive line name. If your Perfect. name is Rusty and you're on the offensive line, automatically mm-hmm. all conference. No questions asked. It just flows. Rusty right. Stats? Yes. Come on. Well, that's great. Like I was built to play football. All right. Number one? Yep. Number one. I'll let you actually do the drum roll this time. Number one is from Houston, Trimarcus Cheeks. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a name. Houston has the all name. Trimarcus. Trimarcus. Not just one Marcus, <laughs> three Marcus. It makes me think of three Cheeks. <laughs> Try Cheeks. <laughs> he is a linebacker for Houston. Wow. Um, that is good. I love on the, the name pronunciation on Houston's website. It's like it puts the number. So was it try T R Y or T R I N A R C U S? Try Marcus. Yes. And uh, I guess he played two seasons at Samford, then transferred so into Houston where he played way, last year. Do you think it's possible that like his granddad, his grandfather is Marcus, his dad is Marcus Jr., but instead of being Marcus the Third, they were like, "What's cooler than Marcus the Third? Try Marcus." Honestly, if they did that, I respect that so much. That would be so much cooler than just being like, you're the junior, you're the second, you're, you're the, the third. third. Name them. So what uh, would the second one be? The second one would Bi- be... Marcus, Bi- Marcus, Tri- Marcus, Duo Marcus. Quad, and then uh, Quad Marcus. Quad Marcus. And then... Uh, Quint Marcus. Uh, yep. Quint Marcus. Sept Marcus. Yep. Sent Marcus. Uh, Oct Marcus is a great <laughs> one. Once Marcus. they get to number eight, that guy's going to be a super villain. Um... <laughs> 
No, that's great, man. Try Marcus <laughs> Cheeks. I mean, and then like Try Marcus sells it right away, to be honest. But having Cheeks as a last name too, Cheeks like that's great. great. Is it just C H E E K S? C H E E K S. Yeah. Yep. Cheeks. Just Perfect. how you. It's simple, but yep. it's fun. Yep. You know. Yep. Now the only one would be better if we could combine General Booty and Try Marcus Cheeks. This is their last name, Booty Cheeks. <laughs> 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 uh, that's I love that list. Well, uh, if, if you think we forgot any Number names, five was terrible. Everything oh, else was fine. Man, let us know. Hit us up at RCST1320 or our email, RCST1320am at gmail.com. You can also hit us up with uh, KU Mailbag questions, which we'll get to yes. later this week as Please well. Please give us questions. Yes. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Talk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is on the road right now as we speak on his way to Big 12 Media Day. But the show goes on even without Derek. We got some uh, stuff we recorded earlier in the day that will come to you, that will come your way in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, including Do We Give a Bleep and also uh, another fun game coming up as well. Uh, it's the game of Big 12 Media Day attendee or uh, Western Country Music Star coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, we are joined by Kevin Flaherty. One thing I do give a bleep about is Kevin on the show from 247 Sports. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. I, uh, I hope you're uh, changing the door codes on Derek a little bit. <laughs> Seeing a coup over there at the station. Yep, yeah, he has no idea, but yeah, he's going to come back to a whole new world of uh, ruled by me, <laughs> ruled by me, uh, Nick Chalksport. There you go. Uh, so, That's what I like to hear. Yeah, well, Kevin, as I just mentioned, uh, Big 12 Media Days this week, uh, I guess, what is, are there any specific teams or coaches or players that you are most interested in hearing from or storylines that you're most excited about uh, for Media Day? You know, the, some of the new teams, and I think some of that is because there, there are more variables with those teams. Obviously, you know, it, it's not like we've seen a ton of BYU. You know, BYU did play Baylor last year. You know, Kansas and Texas Tech both played Houston last year. Uh, but, you know, unless you're, you're just an absolute college football hound, you know, you, you might not have watched a ton of Cincinnati, and you might not have watched a ton of UCF, and a lot of those teams have a, a lot of unknowns anyway. I, I think I saw that something like 40% of Houston's roster arrived this summer. So obviously, wow. you know, there, there are a lot of question marks there. I, I think Cincinnati has more question marks than anybody in the conference in terms of new coach, New quarterback, you, you're probably going to wind up starting Emory Jones, the transfer from Florida. Uh, and they have the least returning production of any team in the Big 12. And so they're, all, they're kind of starting over a little bit. A lot of that, uh, BYU, you know, has, has played Big 12 teams, it, it seems like, fairly regularly or so the last, you know, five or ten years. And maybe I'm a little off on that. Obviously, you remember the Texas series with uh, Taysom Hill kind of running all over Texas in, in those games. But I, I think the newer teams are, are kind of what I'm most focused on uh, uh, on hearing from, just because I do think there are a lot of question marks there in terms of, hey, how are these teams going to fit, not from a long-term perspective even, but just this year. Yeah, and looking at those teams, you know, historically speaking in the short term, teams that have made the jump from Group of 5 to Power 5 have 
tended to not do very well early on in their tenures in the conference, and that was kind of reflected in the preseason poll we saw uh, those teams getting picked really in the, in the lower half, right? Uh, UCF was the highest picked out of those teams, I guess. What What is some reasonable expectations for these new teams in the conference? I mean, do any of these teams have a chance to make a bowl, or is it just going to be more of a, a more difficult transition for these teams, you think? Well, I think everybody in the Big 12 can make a bowl. I mean, not to... Not, not that they all will, but I think they all can. I, I think it's going to be a lot like last year, where we saw that the difference between four and eight and and eight and four is just, you know, razor thin margin. You look at Iowa State finished last in the Big Twelve last year. They went zero and six in one score games last year, and that was that was kind of the difference. If you went around say five hundred or so in one score games, then. You were maybe six and six, and if you did really well in one score games, you know maybe your name is TCU or or your Texas Tech, and so I think it's going to be very similar to that. I do think UCF has kind of a higher ceiling than the other schools for this year. Cincinnati reminds me a little bit what we do know of them of maybe Iowa State from a year ago where. Good defense. They actually have the Big 12's best punter, uh, but not a lot on offense that you can speak on with with a lot of positivity. At least not yet. I think BYU is going to be a fairly physical team. You know, they've got some good linemen, got a good group of running backs. Houston, like I said, turning over so much of that roster. UCF is the only one of the new teams that one brings back a lot. They're second in the Big 12 in returning production. And two, they bring back an incumbent quarterback. None of the other new teams bring back their starting quarterback from a year ago. So with John Reese Plumley coming back for UCF, I do think that their ceiling's a little bit higher. The problem there, Nick, is, you know, what's that mean, right? Like, does that mean six and six? Does that mean eight and four? Does that mean a top five finish in the Big 12 potentially? That's where I think some of those close games are going to come in and and even with UCF having sort of a higher ceiling than the other teams there, it doesn't mean that they'll reach it. Well, I wonder with UCF, you mentioned John Reese probably coming back the only team with a returning quarterback, but does Gus Malzahn being their head coach help them at all the fact that he did have, you know, high-level Power 5 experience at Auburn with that, in the SEC? Do you think that maybe helps them at all making the jump to the Big 12? You know, I don't know if it does because BYU being independent, you know, they play Power 5 schools pretty regularly. I think Houston played a, a pretty good schedule, you know, typically in non-conference play. I just think that if you take all of them at face value and you don't even look at, hey, they're coming from group of five stuff, the biggest challenge when you're moving up in league, I think, it's not the games against the toughest teams in the league, right? Because when you're UCF, when you're Houston, when you're Cincinnati, when you play the best teams in your conference, those are teams that can beat you. I think where things come in and they're a little bit different is the depth of a league, right? It's You're not going to have your A game for all 12 games of a season. So when you're playing in the AAC and you're playing the worst team in the league, you know, you're probably significantly better than that team or more talented than that team and you can win it. What happens when you're playing West Virginia or Iowa State? Or somebody like that, and you play your, you know, your D plus game. You're you're going to get beat, and so I think that's that's kind of the challenge that a lot of these teams have. I think that was something that that kind of hit TCU early, and this is just off the top of my memory. 
you know, it, it wasn't necessarily, hey, TCU can't compete with the top of the Big 12 when they came in. It was more, hey, the, the bottom and lower tier teams in the league, they're, they're capable of winning that, that game if you don't show up for that contest. And so I do think that, that that's going to be the tougher thing. Yeah, what's interesting about that is, uh, in recent memory, a lot of teams, it's actually their second year in the Power Five where they really struggle the most. Uh, I think it was sure. Utah really struggled. I think TCU is another team that you brought up that it was their second year that they had their worst year before they sort of started yep. to get turned around a little bit, uh, which is something interesting to keep an eye on. Okay, so looking at KU specifically, they get to pick ninth in the Big 12. Uh, I was just curious, I mean, do you feel like that's fair, or do you think people maybe might be underrating Kansas, or I don't know if underrating is the right term, but just maybe expecting a regression to the mean for Kansas, uh, but they have a lot of returning starters from last season, plus Lance Leipold. I, what did you think of them getting picked ninth? Yeah, I mean, they're the number one team in the country, not just the Big 12 in returning production, and they return those guys from a team that, if we're being honest, Kansas could have been 8-4 and four last year if if Jalen Daniels had stayed healthy. You look at some of those games that were still there in the fourth quarter. You know, the the Baylor game, Kansas didn't really even play well in. And that was what? I think a 28-23 game in the fourth quarter. Even the K-State game where Jalen Daniels played, I don't think he was anywhere near 100%. You know, he was, Kansas was still in that game in the fourth quarter. And the Texas Tech game is another one that didn't have Jalen Daniels in here there. Kansas also could have had some games go the other way. When you look at the Iowa State game with the three missed kicks, you look at the West Virginia game that went to overtime, and that's all a really long way to say, Nick, that I think that Kansas is kind of, I'm not saying that they're going to finish 4-8, and eight, but I'm saying they're kind of in that group that we were just talking about, right, where you're, you're going to have a group of teams and somebody has to finish 4-8 and eight and somebody has to finish 8-4, and four. And there's going to be a lot of close games to decide those. Now, I do think people are underrating Kansas a little bit, but I do think that the other side of that and the reason why Kansas is picked ninth and not, say, sixth or seventh has to do with Kansas' schedule. When you look at, like, Oklahoma State's schedule, for instance, and you look at what Oklahoma State brings back, I think you can say that Kansas brings back a better team than Oklahoma State does, and they bring back a lot more than Oklahoma State does. And obviously, you know, they absolutely ran Oklahoma State when they played them a year ago. But Oklahoma State has an incredibly manageable schedule, whereas Kansas is much more difficult. That's not necessarily the sort of thing that, you know, hey, that's going to shut them down. They're going five and seven, you know, woe is them. But I do think that it's important context to add and that it's not necessarily, hey, we think Kansas is the ninth best team in the Big 12. It's more, hey, with this schedule in mind, Kansas is ninth. And so I think if you were just picking how good Kansas is going to be or where Kansas's team would rank and you leave the schedules and all of that out of it, it wouldn't surprise me if Kansas moved up a few spots. What do you think is the biggest key for KU to hit that ceiling, whether it's might be eight and four? Is it is it Jalen Daniels' health? Is it the defense playing better? It's what health. It, it's, 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 not, it's not just Jalen Daniels. It, it's it's roster-wide, I, I think. You know, when you look at the fact that when Kansas played Baylor in one of the close games we were just talking about, Kansas was without its starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels. They were without the guy who was KU's leading rusher before he got hurt in Daniel Hyshaw. And they were without Luke Grimm in that game, who was Kansas's leader in reception. 
it's tough for any team to win Big 12 games when you don't have your best quarterback, running back, and receiver. And, you know, you can argue, obviously, you know, that Devin Neal obviously put it all together at a really high level, but that's, you know, that's the whole thing about this is Kansas, you know, I think the staff has done a really good job of, of filling things out with depth, you know, obviously being right at the scholarship limit. We're not sitting here talking about Kansas having 60 or 65 scholarship players anymore, but I still think it's going to be really important for Kansas to stay healthy. And, you know, those spots that we just talked about, obviously important on the defensive line where you've got newcomers coming in, you've got transfers that you're, you're counting on to plug those holes and things like that. You have to have those guys stay healthy. Craig Young, with all of the things that they ask him to do defensively, if Craig Young gets hurt, they're you know they're going to have to change some things up. They're going to be a different defense if Craig Young is not there. And so, I think that's the biggest thing is is you just you want to knock on wood and say, hey, Kansas is going to be really healthy this year. But that's that's the biggest factor. And I think when you look back, you know, I hate to get all old man preachy or whatever, <laughs> but if you look at if you look at the Orange Bowl team, that was one of the biggest things about that team was one, they fared well in close games when they played them, but two, they were remarkably healthy. You know, Anthony Collins and James McClinton both got banged up at the end of the year. But at the same time, they were still healthy enough to be on the field. And generally speaking, I think the only starter that missed extended time, and I could be wrong on this, was Kendrick Harper, one of the cornerbacks, which meant that some guy named Chris Harris played a whole bunch, and he turned out to be pretty good. So the health is the biggest thing, I think. If you're asking me one thing, hey, what could be the difference between Kansas being 8-4 and four or being 4-8, and eight, I think it's just staying healthy. Looking ahead to tomorrow, okay, you will be at, at Media Day. Is there anything specific you're, you're hoping to maybe learn or glean from, from KU being at Media Day, you know, with Lance Leipold, Jalen Daniels, Kenny Logan, Rich Miller? Anything specific you're hoping to learn from them from tomorrow? You know, I'm interested because they return so much. Uh, I think I'm interested to hear which of the new guys they feel like are, are going to really step in and, and play a major role. Obviously, there's going to be a new starter on the offensive line uh, with with them uh, losing uh, Earl Bostic to graduation. But along with that, I mean, I, I think J.B. Brown is going to be a guy that's probably going to pick up a lot of praise in terms of, hey, this is a guy that's going to hop in that linebacker group. And even if he doesn't win a starting spot, I think you're going to see him play starter-type reps, a lot like Lorenzo McCaskill did a year ago. You know what? What about McGee? You know, at cornerback. What about some of these some of these other guys that are either you know in their second year after transferring or they just came in? How many of these guys are are going to factor in? Because the the honest point is that KU doesn't have as many holes as other people do. They return so many starters and return so much depth at, at all of these spots it doesn't exactly open up a lot of areas. And so the good news about that is you aren't forced to play somebody right away that might not be ready. And the other part of that means is if somebody does push their way in, it's more likely because they're good enough as opposed to, hey, we just we have to have this guy out there because we just don't have the depth. The other big storyline of the summer for KU has been their success on the recruiting trail. They've been very successful, obviously getting a lot of commits 
Today, something a little bit interesting happened with uh, with Harrison Utley, uh, who is a KU commit. Uh, yeah. He announced on Twitter that he had an Oklahoma offer, but basically declined it to remain committed to KU. Uh, I guess, what do you think that says about KU's status recruiting-wise, that the fact that, you know, here's a kid that is from that area and even said that he was, you know, grew up liking Oklahoma, turning down that to remain committed to KU. What do you think that says about this uh, the staff's recruiting abilities? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, and I, I brought this up before, but I think this is a relationship-based recruiting staff. And I think that when you look at the success that they've had and 11 of their 17 commits, I think have come since May 28th, I believe. So it's been relatively recent, but almost all of those guys committed on or around when they visited Kansas. And so they came in, they saw, they were able to buy into the vision and where things are going. And so when somebody like Utley and a lot of these other guys, they already had those offers that, you know, they supposedly wanted before they committed to Kansas. And so I think that's the biggest thing that, that you can kind of say about this is they've been able to get these guys on campus. They've been able to build relationships. They've been able to tell them, hey, this is where we think Kansas football is going and the role that you're going to play in that process. And, and kids are buying into it. And so, you know, yes, they're, this is not going to be the, the last time in this class that Somebody, you know, probably picks up a, another offer or two beyond what they had, something that might have been intriguing for previous guys. And I'm not saying that, you know, nobody will jump out of the recruiting class, but I am saying don't compare this to the Louisianimals class or, you know, or something like that. You know, when you when you look at that, Jamar Chase is committed for eight days. You know, that wasn't a long-term deal. It wasn't the sort of thing where we're sitting here at Big 12 Media Day still talking about, hey, what a loaded crop these guys have. I think it's a more legitimate group in terms of, hey, this is a chance that, that Kansas really has a chance to, to get across the finish line with these guys. In keeping with recruiting, we'll wrap things up here, Kevin, with uh, your local prospect of the week. Who is the local prospect of the week for you? Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Bryson Hayes, the 2025 wide receiver from uh, Mays. Mays is loaded at wideout last year and had a pretty good quarterback throwing it to him in Avery Johnson, who wound up going to K-State. They had a, a guy go to Syracuse from that receiving core in uh, Bryce Cahoon. They had a, another guy going to Butler in Justin Stevens. And even with all that and those guys being older, Hayes, who was a sophomore, was was Avery Johnson's biggest deep threat. You know, he averaged thirty point six yards per catch. Anytime you that can catch, you know, any anytime <laughs> you can catch nineteen passes and eight of them are for touchdowns, that's pretty good. <laughs> and you look at the track times, and again, this is a kid who just finished his sophomore year of high school, so this is his his sophomore year of track. He's already run sub eleven hundred sub-11 in the 100-meter dash. In camps this summer, you know, this is a guy who clocked sub-4-4 at multiple stops. So he's going to be, if he's not the fastest kid in Kansas, you know, for in that 2025 class, he's certainly going to be in that discussion. And colleges have started to pick up notice, too. You know, Kansas offered him. Kansas State offered him. Nebraska jumped in and offered him. And Iowa State offered him. So, He's a, a 2025 who who already has four you know power five offers and with uh, with that receiving group moving on I think Mays has a, a another pretty good quarterback coming up obviously not going to say he's 
he's Avery Johnson, but I, I think they're they're still going to be able to throw the ball. Don't be surprised if Hayes puts up some really big numbers again and and winds up continuing to impress college scouts. Yeah, man, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I myself am a Maze Maze High alum, so I appreciate the. Uh, I, I did not know that. Yeah. So this is a this is an update <laughs> just for you. I'm glad. I'm glad Derek was not in the studio today yeah, because he yeah. might have interrupted our moment right there. So Appreciate the mace, bub, as always. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining me. He is Kevin Flaherty of 247 Sports. Be sure to check out all his work uh, covering KU Big 12. Oh, and we lost Kevin. Uh, that's Kevin Flaherty of 247 Sports joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. Got some recorded uh, stuff with Derek as he's on the road to the Big 12 tournament, but uh, or not the Big 12 tournament, Big 12 media days. But we've got uh, a couple of recorded segments coming up at the 5 o'clock hour to get to you uh, with me and Derek. So this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go on RCST on KLWN. 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have a a fun game coming up later this hour. Big 12 football media day attendee or Western movie star. I'm looking forward to that one uh, to see if we can stump Nick on today's edition of the show. First, though, we have to get to another wonderful edition of Do We Give a Bleep? A segment where we discuss if we give a bleep or not about certain things going on in the world, in the sports world, whatever it is. Yep. All right, first up. No players today were selected in the NFL supplemental draft. Do you give a bleep? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and that happened today? What? Yes. No, I do not give a single bleep about the thing that I didn't even know was happening. It's been a while since the NFL supplemental draft. Like somebody I feel like has actually either A, been taken or B, been like good. I'm, yeah, I don't even know what this is. What is it? So it's like. Uh, most notable guy to come out of this probably is Josh Gordon. So basically, they have this supplemental draft, which is obviously after the actual so NFL draft. So it's just draft, a right? second draft. So, yes. So why don't they just call it the NFL second draft? NFL draft part two. Yeah, um, what the, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> well, basically what it is is you have guys who maybe they're in college and they didn't enter the NFL draft. And then, like, let's say they get kicked off their college team between the NFL draft and before the their season starts. Oh. Or maybe they make a secondary decision that where they're like, you know what, actually I do want to go in the NFL. Um, or I don't know, like you you just for whatever reason, like you, you just don't so want to play football. Why don't they you just make, that make it to where after the first draft, if you want to do that crap, you just become a free agent. Isn't that well, how what it happens work? is what happens is that there were only two people that even entered it this year. Um neither one was selected, now they become free agents. So why don't they just why don't we just cut out the middleman and just make them free agents to start with? Because basically they're trying to avoid a situation happening where like I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Uh, like remember somebody Andrew really Luck? Good. Well, yeah. Remember Andrew Luck? He could have gone pro one year earlier than he did, and that was the year that the Panthers ended up getting Cam Newton. And they're like they're getting Andrew Luck, but then Andrew Luck last minute was like I want to come back for another year at school and I can get my degree. So he okay. came back and then he ended up being the number one pick next year. It prevents a situation like that from happening where then Andrew Luck could just be doing that just so that he could pick what team he wants to sign with as the number one pick, right? Okay. And, you know, I, I know there is some actual pushback in just sports in general where people are like, why should there be a draft? You should just be able to sign wherever, you're, you know, no, whoever gives you the most stupid. money, right? Um, but basically this prevents teams from doing that to where it's a more fair way for the worst team to actually get the best player. Okay. So what happens is if you take a player with a draft pick in the supplemental draft, you lose that draft pick in the next draft. 
So, like, I think Josh Gordon. So, but if only two guys are in it, then how do you, what pick do you lose? Yeah, so what happens is they basically, every team puts in a bid for what round they would take that player with. Okay? So they, it's a blind bid, and they submit it to the NFL. You're already <laughs> no. hating this. This so, is so stupid. So let's say if, if it was a player who was supposed to go, like, in the second round, but you're the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're like, well, everybody's going to take him in the second round. We would have to use a first on him. They would have to submit a blind bid possibly for a first. And then what happens is, because they have a late first, right, whoever has the best pick that submitted the bid for that round is who wins him. Okay? Does that make sense? So if uh, Josh Gordon, I believe, was like a third round pick in the supplemental draft. So the the Browns at that point lost their third the next year. But what's stupid about that is you're doing the supplemental draft based on your draft spot from this the draft. So you may end up giving up like the number one or a top pick. But then if you actually end up being bad again the next year or good the ne- again the next year, it changes. Yeah. That's dumb. Okay. Well, it's, it's very rare guys even get taken I at this point. Do not it's give a very a, small I don't size. give a bleep. I, I don't, don't give a bleep either. I would give a bleep if there was like a great player in it randomly again. I still don't think I would. For this year, it no. doesn't seem to be the case. You're saying that if like there was a player who would be like a first-round pick was in it, you would not care at all? Nope. Okay. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the home run derby last night. Do you uh, give a bleep? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, kind of, I guess. I didn't watch any of it, to be honest. So I guess that would be the real barometer of if I give a bleep or not. I didn't watch any of it. And I was just telling you this off air, actually. I also, for the first time ever, I had a really hard time finding out what happened via Twitter. Normally, if I'm not watching like a pretty high-profile sporting event, which I think the Home Run Derby, considering that there's nothing else going on and it's the dead of summer, there's literally not any other event going on, I figured I could just hop on Twitter and I would see tons of videos and clips of like people talking about the Home Run Derby, what's going on. Dude, I... I I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. What My algorithm was messed up. I don't know. I yeah. couldn't find it. It wasn't showing me anything. Maybe that's because you hate baseball, so your algorithm... Maybe that... I don't hate baseball. From, okay. I'm just not a huge baseball guy. Maybe Elon's out to get me. <laughs> I don't know. You have to join threads to see the, the home run derby that stuff. That would make no sense, because I... If anything, Elon should be showing me exactly what I want, because I've been a loyal Twitter guy. I have not even joined threads yet. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he should be rewarding me. Maybe he wants you to. I should be getting paid. Maybe he doesn't want you on his platform anymore. Why would he not want that? I don't know. He doesn't like you. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I should be getting paid to stay on Twitter. (laughs) No, this is cool. You get the first father-son duo to ever win the home run derby. You had Vladimir Guerrero Sr. win it at uh, at the time AT and T Park in in San Francisco. Now Vladdy wins it in Seattle. Yeah, that's cool. Um, You also had Pete Alonso, who was like the back-to-back defending champ, losing the first round. To Julio Rodriguez, who's the hometown guy who put up like 41 first round home runs. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were some interesting things that happened along the way, but I guess I also did not watch it. So, so I guess that I didn't you don't give a bleep about it. Yeah, I guess so. Man. Uh, the MLB All Star game is tonight. Do you give a bleep <laughs> about that? So more, more <laughs> baseball. Um, listen, the Royals stink. They have one guy, right? They only have one guy, I think. Salvi, yeah. Which every team has to have one. Yeah. So they only have one, and it's a pity invite because the Royals stink. And I don't really care about anything else. So, no, I probably won't watch. And I probably don't give a bleep. No. I won't watch because I'm going to be traveling. But if I were if I were sitting at home, like I watched last would you, year. Would you put it on? Yeah. I, I, one of my favorite parts of but it was. It's one of those things where you would put it on, but would you like sit down and watch it? No, probably not. It's one of those things where, yeah, you're probably multitasking. Um, 
there are moments where you're like my favorite I don't even remember who won last year I don't remember what happened to be honest the things that stick out to me and what I remember are when they did like the in-game interviews those are fun the, the most notable one was like they had Alec Manoa doing an in-game interview while he oh, was I do, pitching okay I do remember that that was cool I do remember that so yeah. like stuff like that I'm interested by and I give a bleep but yeah I, I because I'm traveling tonight and outside a, of that okay quick side note though I don't think they can have a pitcher do an in-game interview while he's pitching now because the pitch comm is like oh. blasting in his ear. So wouldn't you be able to hear that on the broadcast on the interview? Probably. Maybe. That's a good question. And then question. the other team would just turn on or the. Do they use pitch comm in the All Star? Do they just go back to regular signs in the All Star because they're like, is anybody really going to sign steal? It's the All Star game. Who cares? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's Dude, a good baseball people are weird. <laughs> they might they might think they're gonna somebody's gonna steal something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like when the All-Star game used to pick who got home field advantage. It was like, cool. I cared about it more because the game actually mattered. But also at the same point in time, in the back of your head, you were like, but this is a stupid way to determine home field advantage, even yeah. though it made the game matter more, right? Yeah. Well, what also kind of, I think, takes away from the All-Star game is because the National League got rid of pitchers hitting and all that stuff, like... There's no, it doesn't. There's no difference. There's no difference. It's all homogenous. Yeah, yeah. there's no difference. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I don't. It's like at least if they, if they played it at a National League park, then it would be like, oh, the American League pitchers have to hit now. And mm-hmm. it's like at least something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, how about this uh, news from Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow has bought a minor league hockey team in Lake Tahoe. Who? Uh, like, who is the hockey team? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Okay. Uh, he'll own the team. Well, yeah, um, what's the team? Beginning in the 2024 to 25 season, it's the ECHL. They've exp- I, I don't know if that's like the AAA. Equipment. I know what that is. Yeah, okay. ECHL. That's what the Wichita Thunder and the ECHL. Okay, they have approved the expansion application for a team in Lake Tahoe. So there's not already. A team. Oh, okay. this is a new team. Okay, and Tim Tebow is going to be one of the managers there. Or one of the owners? It's uh, gonna, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, the Tahoe Blue Event Center is a forty-two hundred plus seat arena in State Line, Nevada. is expected to begin operations later this month. So that's yeah, actually think, very interesting. I think the ECHL is like, if you were looking at it like AAA, AA, whatever. I think it would be not AAA. I think it'd be more like AA. Okay, but yeah, so minor league hockey, basically. But, yeah. Um, I give a bleep from the. I, I don't give a bleep about Tim Tebow owning it. I give a bleep about them having a hockey team there. I go to Lake Why? Tahoe enough that I would love to go to one of these hockey games. I know where exactly where that really is. Confused. State line. I was like, how? Why would you care about yeah. a team in Lake Tahoe? On state line, that's literally right where the casinos are. So you can probably bet on the game, then go in, have a good time. Oh, I imagine cool. it's going to be right there. Yeah, that'd be that would be um, cool. Yeah, I love Lake Tahoe in general. It just gives me another thing to to do when I'm out there. So never I give been. a bleep about there being a hockey team. I don't give a bleep about Tim Tebow buying it. That I've never, means I've never nothing been, to me. Never been to Lake Tahoe. Okay, you should. It's so fun. I don't know. It's fun. I like Tim Tebow, though. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I like Tim Tebow. I just don't care. Does it doesn't do anything for you? I'm not going to be like, I have to buy season tickets now because Tim Tebow owns this team, mm. you know? Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I don't really give a bleep. Uh, Big 12 Homecoming. You might be asking, what the heck is Big 12 Homecoming? What? We'll chalk this up in the uh, conversation of, like, sometimes Brett Yormark doing too many things that nobody was asking for. Uh, the Big 12 Conference has launched an on-campus tour titled Big 12 Homecoming. Basically, they're going to send, like, uh, DJs and, and all sorts of things like that to different football teams over the course of the fall. And so each year, they're going to visit four campuses per fall. This year, they're going to do the new ones. Houston, Cincinnati, oh, UCF, and BYU. Four? Yeah. Oh, 
Then in the future, they'll do four others. Then in the future, they'll do four others. And at that point, they'll have knocked out all the 12 schools that are supposed to be in Big 12 by next year. So uh, basically, they'll have activities on Thursday, Friday, Saturday of home football game weekends. Thursday is going to feature a women's empowerment event, including panels and discussions alongside female student athletes. Um, Friday, they're going to go to local elementary schools to unveil a $50,000 makeover for a new library at a certain uh, elementary school with a media center as part of the College Football Playoff Foundation signature program. And then on Saturday, they're going to have uh, basically pregame tailgating experiences with live DJ performances, limited edition merchandise giveaways, and an armed forces flyover pregame. Do you give a bleep? Um... Yeah, sure. I mean, it, I mean, you know, the stuff sounds like it's a cool. It sounds like a cool event. More Kansas is not involved to, in any of the games, by the way, for well, this year. Oh, well, oh, you're saying like, like even, not even, even as the road team. team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it, uh, I like the stuff. This is one of those things where it sounds like right your mark. You just spitballing and rolled with it. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's the the. The fifty thousand dollars stuff—that's all great. Yes, you know, obviously, getting out in the community and whatnot—that's cool. I have a feel. I have a sneaking suspicion that the tailgate stuff might be kind of lame. Yes, but well, because I don't okay. know. So, like, I, you're 100 percent right. I can't say I don't give a bleep because <laughs> the fact that they're giving money to the local schools, like, that makes me give a I mean, bleep. That's awesome. They're getting athletes cool. out in the community. They're getting that's them, a good thing. You know, athletes should have more of a platform. All that stuff is fine. Yes, the tailgate stuff. The tailgate stuff itself, <laughs> I give negative bleeps because like <laughs> to be your point lame. it's probably going to be kind of like and it's not just that it's the idea that this is how i'm envisioning it oh these these southern midwest football fans think they know how to tailgate we're going to show them a real tailgate and it's like well i think that you know southern and midwest football fans have kind of mastered what oh, they want to do for the, oh you think brett yormark is like i gotta bring new york yes i gotta bring he's new like, york to these uncivilized yes folks. he's like why are all these people grilling on grass <laughs> that's uncivilized we need to bring a dj booth we need to bring you know limited time merchandise it's like no like we just want to drink beer and eat hamburgers and get ready for the game you know like so, again, this isn't a, a thing that's going to harm anyone. Like, it's not like anybody has to go to the Big 12 tailgate while you're tailgating. Uh, so, it's, it's not a problem. Yeah. But I also don't give a bleep about it. I'm not going to care enough to actually go, like, I, I probably would not uh, go to it if it came to KU. Yes. Agreed. I would probably just go to my own tailgate. Agreed. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't give a bleep about it. So, it's know. not hurting anyone. I don't, I'm not saying it's a <laughs> negative thing. Like, if you want to do it, do it. And there's enough other positives as, as part of this. But no, I don't give a bleep at all. Uh, the ESPYs are later this week, Wednesday night. Do you give a bleep? No. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I watched the ESPYs, actually. Uh, and it's not because I don't care about it or I don't, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Honestly, I'm just going to tell you this. I actually, in a weird way, I like the pain of complaining about having nothing to watch <laughs> during the month of July leading up to football season. So if anybody suggests anything to me, I'm just going to tell them I'm not going to watch it. Because I, I, I like complaining. I like being like, what am I going to watch? There's no sports. There's no football. There's no nothing. I enjoy complaining. This is a time of year. It's, where, a, cathartic, you know, it's a cathartic yeah. month. Where this you is your just, Festivus. Yes. <laughs> just get it all out. Just get it all out. No, I don't want to watch the ESPYs. No, I don't want to watch the All-Star Game. No, I don't want to watch the 26 and 100 Royals. No, I just want to be a crotchety, annoyed guy because I can't watch football or basketball, and I'm just going to be annoyed. I used to love the ESPYs, watch them all the time as a kid and teenager and stuff. Um, lately, though, I don't, I don't know. They just haven't done it as much for me. I, 
I don't know if it's that. Yeah, I have no problem with the SVs. I just. I don't have a problem uh, with it. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't know if it's just because I've gotten to the point as an adult where it's like I have other stuff going on or it's like I'd rather just watch like a good show on like Netflix or, you know, yeah. HBO or something. Or if it's just, if it's different now. Like, I, I remember back in the day, they used to have all sorts of like funny skits. And they used to give out like all these awards. Now I feel like they only give out like a limited number of the awards, and there's not as many of the skits and the funny stuff. So I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the classic. Oh, you're getting older, and things aren't Isn't the way crazy, they used though? to as be. You and get you just older, get mad, you're just like you're just, you know, you're just mad. mad about things yeah, the way they used mad. to be. So I, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> uh, I might turn it on at some point. I don't know, but like I'm not going to be stressed if I don't make it. I guess is the point there. Uh, last one here, Kadarius Tony is kind of going on a social media rampage. He uh, has been just like sliding into people's like DMs, um, basically like talking trash to him or basically saying how like I don't Daniel know like Jones wants them yeah, back. Like, yeah, like sending audio messages and stuff like this. Yeah, I don't know. Do you give a bleep? No, I think it's weird. Uh, I mean, this is like th- here. Okay, I don't really understand. This is like Kadarius Tony obviously is in on the much better team in the much better situation with the Chiefs than he was with the Giants. So what I don't understand is why is he letting why is he letting the Giants into his into his head? Yeah. Like why is he even acknowledging them? I wonder why if this goes back to the that podcast thing, right? Oh, the Giants being like spending 45 minutes talking about how they don't really care about Canarius Tony yes. when they really do. But again, if you're Canarius Tony, who cares? Like just let him, you know, do whatever. Yeah, no. no, I agree. He shouldn't care about this at all. I don't, I don't understand why he's giving them the time of day. I do give a belief about this, though, because it makes you worry a little bit. The Chiefs are very dependable on Kadarius Tony, and you need him to be in the right headspace. And, and I think oh, beyond I think, that... Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fine. I don't know. You think so? Um, yeah, I'm not too worried. Yeah, I guess, man. I just, like, be a professional. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. This is not what you I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand why he's letting it... Why yeah. he's letting them affect him. For sure. And, like, what if this leads to some sort of team punishment, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Do We Give a Bleep. We uh, are going to switch gears and, and do a fun game coming up next. Big 12 Media Day Attendee or Western Movie Star. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. I'm excited for this one. We got another game. This time, it is Big 12 Football Media Day attendees, so the uh, all the teams are bringing players with them, right? Like Kansas' Rich Miller and Jalen Daniels and these guys coming. Uh, so this is around the Big 12, right? Or Western Movie Star. What? Could be a current guy, a former I guy. Know. I only know John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. There's only ones I know. Well, I can tell you, neither of those is in this list. That's bad for me. That is. Uh, you are 66 and 30 across your seven See, I'm seasons. Been, I'm having great seasons. Yeah, I mean, that's on average like nine, ten wins. Nine yes. and a half wins. Yes. Uh, you went 11 and three last year, which was good because you had three straight years where you won like eight games. <laughs> so you have made, you have won one title with an asterisk. You have one college football <laughs> playoff appearance. You've gone five and two on bowls. You did lose your last bowl game. Yeah, that was tough. I've yeah. actually lost two bowl games in a row. I started five and oh. That's unfortunate for you. Yeah. Okay. You ready? You understand the, I, I, the premise I, I of the game? I don't know if I am ready. I'm going to give you a name. You're going to tell me if it's a Big 12 football I mean, media day attendee or a Western movie I'm star. I'm going right? to give it a try. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Week one. Bud Clark. Bud? That's got to be a B-U-D. movie. That's got to be a movie star. That is a TCU safety. There's not a chance. What? <laughs> His name is Bud? Yeah. Bud Clark, baby. Oh, my. 
I think that is the first time you've ever started 0-1. Yeah, that's bad. Did you just pull a Michigan Appalachian State? Maybe. No, I think that I actually you had I went a, you to had the, the like I went to the Chick Fil A kickoff. kickoff. Yeah. yeah, tough opponent. Yeah, played yeah. Alabama in week one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, week two, Gene Autry. Oh, I know who that is. Mm. That's actually a movie star. It is a movie star. I've heard of that guy. Yeah. He's a Western movie star. Yeah, I've heard of I him. I don't know what he's been in, but... I think he was in... I don't know. I've actually heard of him, though. Yeah, he was like... like I think some of them are like black and white cowboy yeah. movies, though. Yeah. So, you know, that, yeah. that would be why. Okay. Um, week three. Sam Elliott. Wait, I know this one, too. Mm. That's a movie star, too. He is a movie star. Yeah, Good job. I know that one. He's a, you would recognize his voice yeah. most. Yeah. Very well, deep voice. In, I think he's in Tombstone, which is one of my favorite Western movies. I believe he is, yes. Yeah. All right, Tombstone. I, I love Tombstone. I've got a Tombstone poster in my house. Mm. Well, should I ask somebody else? I wanted to give you a bit. That was more of your F- FCS game. Okay. Yeah. You're 2-1 through the non-con. Good Feeling bounce good. back good after bounce, the first yep. week. New two of them. Week four. <laughs> Jared Wiley. That's a player. Mm-hmm. 100% that's a player. That is a TCU tight end. Mm. Yeah. Wiley. No, that's a, that's, that's a player. TCU's got the Western movie star names. Bud Clark, Jared sense. Wiley. Fort Worth, Texas. Cowboys. You know, Texas. Mm-hmm. Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a big boot shop on the uh, their downtown yeah, well, area. Don't, well, yeah. What's, don't, no, what's the name of their... Don't they have a famous like uh, downtown thing that's like... Yeah, a little downtown. It's like uh, what's it has a like name. railroad there. It, it, has, it does a, have it a, has name. a name. Stomp yards or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cross yeah, yeah. yards. That was yeah. something. Yeah. Okay, week five. Walter Brennan. Walter. Walter to me immediately makes me think movie star. Mm-hmm. But then Brennan, you have like Colt Brennan. Brennan is like it makes it a little bit tougher. Hundred uh, percent. This is kind of 50-50. I don't really. I'm not really sure on this one. Uh, mm. Okay, Walter White. He was a <laughs> what? He was a What's movie character or a TV character. <laughs> what? No, see, in my mind, I'm trying to envision if a guy named Walter could be 22 years old. That's what I'm trying to picture. I'm gonna go movie star. He is a movie star. Okay. He okay. Uh, won Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performances in Come and Get It and Kentucky and the Westerner. Hmm. Never heard of either one of those movies. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> He uh, was born in 1894, so wow, maybe a little out of your time range. See, no way he was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Boom, there you go. All right, well, uh, four straight wins for you. Great yeah. bounce back to the start yeah, of the season. Yeah. Week six, Ben Johnson. I think this is the football player. Well, there's the former KU tight end named Ben Johnson. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go football player. He is a movie star. What? Dude. Or Western that, movie star. That's a tough one. I mean, I I'm I almost want to throw the challenge flag on that one. What are, what are we doing? Well, I mean, in theory, there probably is a Ben Johnson on one of the football teams, but um, not at least being taken to the uh, Big Twelve football media days. He was oh, a, not oh, only I should have remembered that. Not only was this guy a Western movie star, he was a world champion rodeo cowboy. Wow. Yeah. No, I need no. Okay, I need to remember that this is not just of any team; it's only of players attending media. Correct. Days. I need to remember that. Yep. Because okay. I might I might have changed my answer on that if I remember. See, that. there you go. All right, you're four and two through the halfway point. Okay. Week seven, Nelson Caesar. Caesar? Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? C E A S E R. So, like, so like Julius Caesar. Like I thought Julius Caesar it was C A E. Like Ides of March gets stabbed. No, I thought that was C A E. This is C E A. Oh. 
Let I don't make, know. What? I mean, dude, why do we? Why can't we just spell things the same? What? What? what, what I have. I have an issue with that. What's his first name again? Nelson. Nelson Caesar. I have no idea, honestly. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna say movie star. He is a defensive lineman for Houston. <laughs> Dang it, man! All right, Dude. well, you, you've been knocked out of college football playoff oh, contention. Oh, I, I had no idea on that. Yep, one. you're four and three. <laughs> All right, see if you can bounce back. Week eight, Clint Walker. This feels like bait to me. Clint immediately makes you think movie star. But I think this is a player. Is that your answer? Yes. Player. It is a movie star. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I am collapsing. Mid- mid-season collapse. This might be your first ever three-game losing streak in one of these games. This is brutal. Clint Walker played cowboy Cheyenne Bodie in the ABC Warner Bros. Uh, film Cheyenne from 1955 to 1963. I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty that sure that's... Yeah, it was a TV show. Oh. I could be wrong, but I that okay, might be the on. guy you, that was played on by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Hold on, in, you said Western movies, not TV shows. I'm sure he was in Western movies as well. Oh, are you? Hang on a second. Probably. No, I'm protesting this game too. <laughs> you said movie star. If I had known TVs, I would have guessed oh, this yeah. guy. Sure you would have. 100%. He's been in movies as well. That's just what he was most <laughs> known for. Yuma, he was in Hard Case. He was oh. in The Bounty Man. Okay. Okay. Fine, for you. fine, All right. fine. Okay, uh, you have a three-game losing streak. Four and bad. four. No, Week this nine. Is, this is not good. Preston Wilson. That's a player. That is a offensive lineman okay. for Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. If you're a, if you're an offensive lineman, <laughs> Preston. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, that was a good bounce back for you. See, that was we needed. If that. you go, that was a that yeah. was a resounding win. You can't not make a bowl game, right? At this point, you've <laughs> you know that would be very bad at this point in your career. All right, week ten. Ben Bywater. Bywater? Yeah. B-Y-W-A-T-E-R. Okay. Is there any other way to spell Bywater? Uh, B-U-Y? <laughs> like buy? Like I'm buying something? Like I'm going to go buy some water? <laughs> yes. <laughs> ben Bywater. Mm-hmm. Player. He is a linebacker for BYU. Okay. 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 There we go. All right. You're six and four. I, I, I didn't know, so I just decided to confidently say an answer, and I was right. So, okay. there we go. Uh, week 11. Hey, we're going to a bowl. You can't overlook that. We're going bowling. Week 11. Ed Harris. That's a player, too. Ed Harris is a movie star. <laughs> you were so adamant on that one. He's in, I really uh, thought. I really thought. He's in all sorts of westerns, but honestly, you might know him for other movies that he's in too. Like um, he's westerns? like a very—he's probably the most popular of these actors, like beyond just westerns. Oh, really? It's so, like he's done westerns that, that he's been known for as well. But like, yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Okay, you well, were six and five. I didn't know him, so that sucks for me. I guess. It does. Week twelve, Mike Smith. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? What What is this? Okay, you ever, you ever watch the show Key and Peele? Yes. The comedy show? Yeah. It's like when they did that bit with the player names. <laughs> Dan Wilson. And the last guy's yeah. name was Dan Smith. Yeah, yeah. That's like, what, what, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this? I mean, this is, I might as well just put on a blindfold and just guess. Or I, I don't know. There, I, there's, I have no way. There's mm-hmm. no clues. There's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> player. He's a linebacker at Baylor. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just the. That was just ridiculous. 
Oh, you're seven and five. Uh, okay. The fans are a little disgruntled. They thought <laughs> they thought you had broken through your you know seven eight win years. Listen, that you won eleven. When this we went eleven be the year. And three, we had a senior quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's gone. They were thinking we that was going to be a launching point for this year to make the playoff. Again. No, we had a senior quarterback. It was we were bound to take a step back a little bit. Okay. Uh, so you were not playing in your conference title. Nope. You were not playing in the college football playoff. Nope. You are playing in a bowl game, however. That's good. Yes. Okay. But this is like the Outback Bowl. Yeah. I don't even know if it's that good, to be honest. Uh, Pinstripe Bowl. We, there we go. Week four, or uh, week bowl game, whatever. <laughs> Danny Stutzman. Danny? Danny Stutzman. D-A-N-N-Y? Yes. Stutzman? Not Dan. Danny. Danny. And then Stutzman. <laughs> okay, hang on. Stutzman. Stunt. Man. <laughs> okay. Stunts. He does his own stunts. Movie star. I actually knew you were going to do that. It is an Oklahoma linebacker. What? Yeah. <laughs> There's no chance. There's no way you knew I was going to do that. I did. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, he's going to think this is a stunt man. <laughs> um, yes, Danny Stutzman is a linebacker at Oklahoma. So you've lost three straight bowl games. You go seven and six, which is your worst record since year one. Hot seat? Hello. No. No. If you have another bad year, you are getting fired. I'm letting you know. What? You are now on so the So what happens seat. if I get fired? We're done? Then I don't know. Then maybe I get to ask the question. Maybe I get to answer the question. Maybe Sam has to answer the questions. No, that's not how that's I don't know. I don't want to get fired. You don't have lifetime. This is fun. Contracts. Well, I don't know. You have to hope that maybe if Sam comes in and he gets fired and then you get the job back. You know, they call him crawling back. All right. We'll see. We'll see. All right, that is a Big 12 oh, football media I'm, I'm attendee sad. or Western movie star. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.